grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I recently got into this show on A&E Network. I don't know if, they're still, if it's still on the air or if they're, they're doing reruns, I'm just not sure, but the name of the show is called Hoarders. Now, in a 60-minute episode of Hoarders, uh, we are introduced to two Americans who have serious and extreme hoarding problems. To say that their homes are messy is kind of an understatement. There's so much clutter that you can't even see the floor. It takes gymnastics just to make your way into the, the next room. Now, the goal of this show is to help these individuals reclaim their lives from the unhealthy, unsafe, unsanitary sanctuaries that, that they've built around themselves. Because if they don't get help real soon, not only is their quality of life going to just keep on declining, but they actually could be in danger of losing their, their property to the city, maybe even to the state, if they don't think, get things cleaned up and orderly fast. So one thing I've, I've observed by watching this is that to a hoarder, everything has value. So the, the workers are there and they're trying to help clean up and they go to throw away that fast food bag that's eight months old. Well, don't, don't throw that out. Or that one lawn chair sitting out front that has a broken leg and it's really not good for much anymore. Well, that's not junk. It's a perfectly good chair. I'm going to get it fixed up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it someday. A hoarder would much rather sleep on top of a literal mountain of clothing than bear the thought of parting with one single garment. Everything has value. There, there is no reason, reasoning with a hoarder. They must have and, and keep it all. So if hoarders and if any network existed two millennia ago, we might have a compelling case for an, for an episode in these two individuals here. Two people who are insanely committed to, to what they possess. A shepherd has one sheep who wanders off. He has a hundred others, so we might think to ourselves, big deal. And he's still got 99, and besides, that's what sheep are known to go and do anyways. A woman misplaces a coin, and it stinks her heart so greatly that she cannot rest until it's found. These people, they search, they find, and they rejoice because they care about what's theirs. Now, in these words from Luke 15 this morning, our Savior hides himself. We see Jesus in these two individuals that are described in this story. But really, this story has nothing to do with sheep or coins at all when you think about it. It's about souls. Every single soul is precious to our Lord and Savior. Jesus spent time around the tax collectors and the sinners. He tells us this story and he plays the role of the reckless shepherd and the anxious woman because he cares. And as we spend some time with these words this morning, we want this to stir us in the same way, to care, to put away any of our preconceived notions, our biases, our, our stereotypes towards others, and to simply show love, care, and concern for all of the souls that Jesus died to save. So this wouldn't be the first time that the Pharisees were being kind of a thorn in Jesus' side. It seems like all throughout the Gospels, 
Jesus is constantly fighting a battle with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who are trying to poke holes in his teachings. And this also wouldn't be the first time that Jesus was criticized for who his choice and company were. If you recall, when Matthew, the tax collector, was appointed to be one of the twelve, Jesus was put under fire for keeping such unsavory company. Tax collectors, those crooked thieves, and all those other people, those sinners with no morals, no regard for the law. Jesus, why are you sitting here and eating with them? Well, let me tell you why, Jesus says. And what unfolds next is a parable, a story with intent, taking some of the most profound truths of the kingdom of heaven and breaking, down, breaking them down into terms that even a small child could understand. Why am I here with these people? It's just like a shepherd with all of his sheep or a woman with her coins. But we'll come to see again, this ain't about sheep or coins at all. Jesus puts this audience of his in the driver's seat. So put yourself in these shoes. You are a shepherd over a flock of 100 sheep. Now at the time, that would have been considered a, quite a large flock. You might be considered rich even among shepherds to be in charge of something that size. And so Jesus poses the question, suppose one of you has 100 sheep and, and loses one of them. What do you do? Well, probably the first thing you would do is being a planner and thinking is that you would determine a course of action. Consider all of the factors at play. How far away did this one sheep wander? If he's a couple hundred yards away, I can see him. He's right over there. Yeah, yeah, I'll go fetch him real quick. It's not a big deal. But, but if we're talking searching the countryside high and low, scrounging for miles, that's kind of overkill, don't you think? For the sake of just one Another thing I have to consider, too, as a shepherd is, what do I do with these other 99? Now, you know, sheep are a defenseless animal, so I might go out, I might search all day and find this one, but then these other 99 could get decimated in the wilderness by a predator if they're left unattended. So it's things like these that a shepherd would have to consider before going out and taking action. Here's what's interesting, though, about Jesus' words. He speaks as if this isn't even a decision to weigh. That what anyone ought to do is not think about it, weigh the pros and cons, but this is just how you act. Here's what he says. Doesn't he, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one lost sheep until he finds it? Because in Jesus' mind, if you're a shepherd, this is what you do. You're entrusted to this entire flock, and that's what... In, Taking care of the entire flock entails. Now, to us, this might seem a bit radical. Maybe we'd even use the term reckless. But to Jesus, this isn't radical or, or reckless at all. To him, it's caring. The shepherd cares about every single one of his sheep. And then to put it a little differently, Jesus also gives us uh, another side of the story. Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and misplaces one of them. So in here it is said that she had 10 drachma coins, one has gone missing. Now in those times, one drachma had the value of a standard day's wages. So it's a, it's a notable sum of money. There might be some who are well off that if they misplace it, it's, it's negligible. 
But for many, this is simply too large of a sum to, to let go unnoticed. And again, how does Jesus speak about this, this mission? He speaks as, as if the course of action is already laid out, that there's nothing to think about. What does she do? Doesn't she light a lamp? Doesn't she sweep the house? Doesn't she search carefully until she finds it? Searching every last crack and corner and crevice is what she does because she too cares about it. She wants that coin back. There's really something profound in, in this parable, I think, and it's the, the emotion, the reactions that we see once these items are finally returned to their owners. It's, it's kind of strange. So here's what I mean. So when he finds it, when the shepherd finds the sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Nothing really out of the ordinary there. But here's where it kind of takes a turn. So then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. And then when she finds it, so when she finds, when she finds the coin, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. So on a good week, I, I will misplace my keys at least three times. And so I think I'm experienced in this art of losing and finding. And you can probably relate to, you know, your wallet, your phone, your keys, your ID, whatever it is, misplacing it. When I finally do find my keys, I, I'm kind of frustrated I lost them, but I'm relieved and I'm happy to have them back. But I'm not really moved to go door to door and talk to my neighbors and scream excitement that I finally found this. I mean, for some of us, as we think about like, the thought of going up and talking to our neighbor at the mailbox is enough to give us a little bit of anxiety, let alone to go and knock on their door and tell them what, what I just found. And even in this day and age now of social media where we post literally anything and everything on social, this, I just found my phone, I just found my keys. I don't know about you, but that probably won't make the cut for my next post. We just don't really do this. But don't tell that to these two. Their excitement, their joy, their enthusiasm was remarkable. And it's that is what transitions into the real point Jesus is trying to teach us throughout this whole story. That I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they see this motley crew around Jesus, people who lie, cheat, steal, and live immoral lives. The Pharisees, they're the observers of the law, they think that they're the, the distinguished guests that this great teacher should want as his entourage. And that's why they're so taken aback when Jesus is there doing the exact opposite. Jesus, why are you sitting here and eating with them? Well, let me tell you why Jesus says, it's because I care. Jesus is the shepherd in this story looking for the one sheep. He's the woman in this story, looking for the one coin. 
But once more, this parable has nothing to do with sheep or coins. There are many, many lost, searching souls in this world, and Christ our Savior will not rest until his people are found, until they are secure in his grasp. And even for the sake of just one person who would turn from their sins and come and walk in the light, the floodgates of heaven burst open with exuberance, rejoicing, and praise. All for the sake of just one person. That's what Jesus is trying to teach us with this parable here. Why am I sitting here with them? It's because the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Because it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. One of the reasons parables, stories like these, remain so you know, practical and applicable here today is that we see ourselves in the moving parts of stories like these. That spirit of the Pharisees is still very much alive and, and well in our world. Do we ever sometimes, um, something to think about this morning, do we ever sometimes feel like we are the superior breed? Like, I, I sin, like, I know I sin, and I, I have some stuff I got to get ta- taken care of, but, I mean, when you think about it, I am not as bad as, as they are. When might that spirit of the Pharisees rear its head in here in our lives? Maybe it's when you're watching a, a laundry detergent ad, like you've watched, you know, laundry ads your entire life, but on this particular commercial, it's not, uh, it's not a man and a woman who are folding the fresh, se- the fresh sheets, but on this one, it's, it's two men or, or it's two women. And you think to yourself, well, what's this world coming to? And you quickly go to, to change the channel. Or you're scrolling on your news feed and you hear that there's been yet another shooting or drug bust or domestic violence incident, fill in the blank, in the city, in the town that you love and care about. And again, you think to yourself, this, this would just be such a much better place if they didn't live here. Or else maybe just bring it closer to home. You think of that one companion, that friend, acquaintance of yours who just, in your estimation, lives so, just such a wild lifestyle. That as far as you're concerned, they couldn't glorify God any less with their lives if, if they tried. God, I know I'm a sinner, but come on. Look at them. I think we'd be a little surprised if Jesus were here walking our earth today. Because where would he be spending his time? I don't think it would be here. I think it would be among the people that sometimes tend to get looked down upon here in, in our world. How does that make us feel? Jesus, don't you want to come and Come here and spend time with us. We're your people. We're your followers. Wisconsin Lutheran Chapel. They're not. It's not the healthy who who need a doctor, but the sick. There's another place we see ourselves in this parable here. It's, It's in the sheep that is surrounded by miles of open pasture, but there's no other shepherd 
no other sheep as far as the eye can see. Or it's in the coin that's in the corner buried under piles of clutter, collecting dust. Every day our inner sinner and our inner saint go to battle. And so often the sinner wins. So often we can, you know, we can wander astray from this. But what does Christ do? He is not content to let us continue wandering, but those promises from his word of comfort and peace and invitation remain true even for us all throughout our lives here today. Christ will not rest until we are secure in his loving arms and grasp. And by God's grace, he has provided that for, for you and for me. Maybe after, maybe after a particularly strong string of guilt or shame, you're thinking to yourself, but why would God still want me? After everything I have done, after this that I've done, after all the miles I've put on this sin over these years, he has all those other sheep, he has all those other coins, why does he still want me? Because he cares. Because you are worth searching for, sin and all. Because Christ saw so much value and worth in you that he went to the cross to die for you, to pay for all of those sins for good and to give you the hope of eternal life in heaven. And for as long as we live, we have this as our comfort and our hope that we are that sheep in Christ's arms, that he will keep us securely, that he will guide us in the faith until we reach that life everlasting. He did this for us because he cared because he cares about us. So why are you sitting here and eating with them? The question that we've had on our minds here for the last couple of minutes. Jesus sought them out, the tax collectors and the sinners, because he cared. Jesus sought us out because he cares about us. And as we go now into our, you know, into our town and into our city, we'll We'll see an awful lot what looks like lost sheep and, and lost coins in our world. It might be our tendency to brush them off or to ignore them, to think that we're fortunate because we're, you know, we're, we're somehow better off than they are. But friends, the encouragement that you and I are given from here is to do the opposite. To go and search for them, show interest in them, to, to care for them. We, we do this wherever they are, wherever they are, because he cares about us and because he cared about us first. Amen.